You're listening to Pastor Ryan Couch as he teaches through the book of Colossians. If you have your Bibles with you, let's join Pastor Ryan now. Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, who is the head of all principality and power. And Jesus, as we open your word this morning, God, we we so long to hear from you. God, even those of us this morning that, that didn't think that way when we walked in here, Lord, it is the number one desire of our heart, God. It is the number one need of our heart to hear from you. God, to have been spoken to by you this morning, God, prophetically. Lord, we don't want to just come here and hear another Bible study, Lord. We don't want to just come here and, and, and do our thing. It's Mother's Day, so we drag ourselves down here, God. We're here for a purpose. Lord, we, we want to hear your voice this morning. God, speaking clearly to our heart right where we're at, individually, personally, Lord, because you have a, a personal relationship with each one of us, God. And we thank you for that. Speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Since the very beginning of, of the world, really, and certainly in our culture today, people have been attempting to answer the questions of life through philosophy. Where did I come from? Why am I here? Where am I going? We've all asked those questions, and, and we, we attempt to answer those questions through philosophy, through empty deceit, through the tradition of men, through the basic principles of this world, as Paul lays out here. And just take a look at our culture. Just watch TV, listen to the radio, go on the internet and, and listen to what people are saying. Talk to people on the streets. People are frantically searching for something outside of themselves to fill that incompleteness, to fill that void. Some call it a vacuum in their heart, in their soul. And even as believers, even assuming that every one of us here this morning has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, even assuming that, it's very easy for us, like the Colossian believers, to begin to try to find completeness and wholeness somewhere other than Jesus, in something other than Jesus frantically searching for more than Jesus. And I want to pose a question to you this morning, and I want you to think about it, because I think initially your answer is obvious, but I think the more you think about the question, the more you realize that maybe you don't know the answer. And the question is, is Jesus enough for you? Is Jesus enough? Is he enough for you, for your life, for your goals, for your agenda, for what you want to accomplish? Does Jesus fill in all of those blanks? And I think the way we live our life, the way we spend our time, our priorities, our money, our thoughts, it answers that question for us. Is Jesus enough? Or like the world, are we frantically searching for something other than Jesus to fill that void in our heart? For many women, it's, it's a man. A man is going to fill that void. For many men, it's a, it's a career. It's our job. It's how much money we make. For many people in ministry, ministry can become 
that which takes the place of Jesus in their life. You're serving Jesus, but in fact, your service to him becomes something that takes you away from him. It's ironic how that works. It can be anything. Is Jesus enough for you? The, the emptiness, the hollowness, the void in your life, what are you trying to fill it with? Who's preeminent, as we've been talking about and looking at in Colossians? Paul was pointing these believers to the preeminency of Jesus Christ, that he wants to be the very focus, the very center of our life. And they had false teachers and, and philosophies and traditions of men that were coming in and were trying to pull them away from Jesus. And Jesus, you guys, wants to be preeminent in our life. As we've been discussing in our study of Colossians, he desires. It's, it's not a tyrant. It's not a micromanager. It's not someone who just wants to have control of your life. You need to look at it as a, a passion that Jesus has for you. He desires you because he loves you. He desires to be preeminent in your life. And Jesus demonstrated this desire by doing everything possible to have a relationship with you. He did everything possible to make himself available so that he could be preeminent in your life. And now, you guys, Jesus deserves to be preeminent based upon his love in his sacrifice. It really isn't a choice that we have. Although we do have a choice. It's really a choice to have a miserable, empty, meaningless life. If he isn't preeminent. And that can even happen as a believer. You can have a miserable life as a believer. If Jesus is not the very center and the focus of your life. As we talked about last week. In verse 6 of chapter 2, as he says, As you therefore have received Christ, so walk in him. The same way you received him, he wants you to walk, making him Lord, making him preeminent, by grace and through faith on a daily basis. The way you received him, walk in him. But if you think that you just received him, and you've been forgiven, and you've been assured of heaven, and now you can just do whatever you want, and now you can just have whatever you want be the focus of your life, and you're going to be fulfilled, you're wrong. You'll be just as empty, just as miserable as you were before Christ, and maybe even more. And there's nothing worse than seeing a believer whose life is absolutely distracted from Jesus. Jesus desires to be preeminent. He demonstrated this desire by dying on a cross, by giving his life, by taking our sin. And now he deserves that place in your life. He deserves that place based on what he did for you. And so this morning we're going to see three reasons why Jesus, Jesus should be the very center and the very focus of our life. The first thing is that Jesus is the only thing that matters. Verse 8. Secondly, Jesus is the only representation of God, verse 9. And thirdly, Jesus is the only thing we need, verse 10. Jesus is the only thing that matters. Look at verse 8. Beware. Paul warns them. And he warns us. Beware lest anyone or anything cheat you. And this word cheat, it can be translated, as maybe your margin shows, as plunder you or taking you captive. The word literally means to take captive in war, to take as part of the spoil of war. 
But I think cheat gives us a, another kind of angle on that thought as well. That when anything in your life distracts you and takes you away from Jesus, you are being cheated and robbed. And if you like being cheated and robbed, if you like falling short of what God has for you, then just continue to allow things, and it doesn't matter what, but anything. For them, it was philosophy, the love of wisdom. Remember the Gnostics were coming in and they were saying, we have a deeper wisdom. And that appealed to them in that Greek culture that loved wisdom. Remember Paul told the Corinthians that Greeks seek after wisdom? That's what they wanted. That's what they sought after. The word philosophy means the love of wisdom. For them it was that. But for us it might be a, a number of other things that have derailed us, that have distracted us, that have taken us away from Jesus. And if that's what's happening in your life, you're being robbed, you're being cheated. You're being taken captive by that thing. And as you're being taken captive, you're in bondage to it. You are being held prisoner. You think about that and it doesn't sound like a, a real positive thing that you want to have happen in your life and yet we allow it to, don't we? Jesus has the best thing for us and yet we allow supplements and substitutes and imposters to come into our life and we deceive ourselves. We live in a lot of self-deception. We deceive ourselves by saying, this is, this is good. This makes me feel good. I like this. When in reality, it's empty. It's meaningless. It's leading you into destruction and into despair and into depression. And yet, there's that battle that's waging that you know the answer. You know that it's Jesus. And yet, you're unwilling to fully allow Him to be the focus of your life. And see, Jesus is the only thing that matters, you guys. That's what Paul's point here is in verse 8, is that all this other stuff doesn't matter. Whatever it is right now that has you just completely distracted from Jesus, it doesn't matter. It, it's, it's empty. It's the tradition of men. It's the basic principles of the world. And see, it can even start out as a good thing. Like I said, it can be ministry. It can be your job. And we deceive ourselves by saying, well, I'm serving God. Or I'm providing for my family. Or I've got to do all of these things to keep things going. I've got to keep my kids involved in all of these activities. And I've, I've got to be involved in all these programs. That's what good moms do. And we live in this self-deception that we're doing someone else a favor or we're doing the right thing for ourselves, when in fact we're not. We're being led astray. Jesus wants to have that place of preeminence in your life. Jesus wants to hold your attention because Jesus is the only thing that matters. And anything that distracts you from Jesus, you guys, anything that distracts you from Jesus is something that you need to get rid of. If that thing is not drawing you closer to him, if it's taking you away from him, then you need to purge that out of your life. You see, because it starts out maybe as a good thing. It starts out as something that you see as necessary. But then what happens is you make yourself vulnerable. You make yourself open and available to all sorts of destructive activities when Jesus isn't the very Lord and the very focus of your life. Paul says that not only is Jesus the only thing that matters, but Jesus is the only representation of God. See, these people were looking for God in all the wrong places. That They were looking to find God in, 
in philosophy and in worldly pursuits. They thought that Jesus was just another emanation of God, just an, another representation of God. And Paul wanted to make it very clear to them that he's the only representation of God. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, probably the most powerful and clear presentation of the deity of Christ in all of the Bible. He's the only representation of God. And so clearly, if we want to find God, if we want to know what God's about, if we want to interact with God, if we want to have a relationship with God, it's in Jesus. And see, people are trying to find answers to life's big questions outside of Jesus. And people are trying to relate to God apart from Jesus. And again, even as believers, we can fall into that. Where we're going to try to relate to God in some other way than through Jesus. It's through my activity. It's through my involvement in, in church. Man, if I just go to church, then, then I, I'm going to hear from God. I'm going to receive from God. And the fact is, you can go to church your whole life. You can go week after week and be involved in all sorts of ministry. And yet, if Jesus isn't the focus of your life, you're not going to hear from God because Jesus is the one that's going to speak to you. He's the Word. And if we want to know God, it's through Jesus. For in Him, in Jesus, dwells all the fullness. And that word fullness was a, was a big buzzword in that culture. They wanted to have the fullness of God, which they felt like came in a series of emanations from God. And Jesus was just one of those emanations. There, there were many that, that encompassed the fullness of God. And Paul was saying to them, no, it's Jesus. See, and we, we kind of think, well, the, the way I'm going to know God is, is by doing this and by doing that and by being involved here. And Jesus wants us to know, no, the way that you'll relate to me and the, and the way that you'll relate to God is simply... By coming to me, looking to me. And so when we want to know God, we just look into the pages of the Gospels and we look at Jesus and how he lived his life and how he interacted with people. If we want to know how God would do something, we look at Jesus. This is how Jesus would respond in this situation. This is what Jesus would do if he were in your shoes. This is what God would have you to do. Just look at Jesus. He's the representation of God. And see, God's not a schizophrenic. He... he it's not like in the Old Testament, he was really mad, you know, and on a good day, he looks like Jesus. And on a bad day, he's flooding the earth, you know, and we need to put him on Prozac or something. No, that's not God. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so the God that we see walking this earth in the body of Jesus Christ, that's the God that we serve. And he's the only representation of God. There aren't any others. You're not going to find God anywhere else other than in Jesus Christ. Remember when Jesus was telling the disciples that he was going to leave them? And he said, let not your hearts be troubled. He said, where I am going, I will, I will come and, and take you there. I go to prepare a place for you. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And then Philip was like, well, Lord, if you're going somewhere, then show us how to get there. And Jesus said, Philip, have I been with you so long that you don't know that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father? Because Philip was wanting to see God. Show us the Father, Philip said. Philip, have I been with you so long? Don't you know that you're looking at God? I am God. And how people can read the Bible and not see God in Jesus, I have no idea. How they 
can read the Bible and say, well, Jesus is an angel or Jesus is just some great teacher. You, you can't do that with Jesus. Say whatever you want to say about him, but he can't just be some kind of a, a guru. He made statements about himself that eliminate him from that place. You guys, is Jesus where you're trying to relate to God? Or are you trying to find it somewhere else? Are you, are you trying to find it through your good works, through your efforts, where, okay, I, I understand that, that Jesus took care of the big stuff. Jesus took care of the big sin, and, and I came to, to him, and he forgave me, but now I've got to, to work this out on my own. Now I've got to walk with God on my own. You guys, it's a daily walk with Jesus every single day. Every single day realizing that you're a sinner and that you're saved by his grace and that you need his grace, that you need Jesus more than anything else. And if anything distracts you from that, if anything takes you away from Jesus, it's separating you from God. You have to look at it that way. You have to understand that even your activity that may seem to be good and may seem to be godly, if it's taking you away from Jesus, it's taking you away from God. It's taking you away from that relationship that he wants to have with you. All the fullness of the Godhead dwells in Jesus bodily. And if you want that, if you want all that God has for you, it's found in Jesus. And the last thing in verse 10 is that Jesus is the only thing we need. And you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. You see, Jesus has the completeness of God dwelling bodily, and he gives us that completeness. We are complete in him. When you read that phrase, you are complete in him, I think the first thing that comes to my mind is just that, that I don't need anything else. You're complete in him. But isn't life like this pursuit of trying to fill all of those things in which we think we need? That when I grow up, I'm going to have this, right? But as a believer in Jesus Christ this morning, you're complete. You don't need anything else. You don't need a spouse if you don't have one. Now, maybe God has one for you, praise the Lord. But you don't need one to be complete. And if you're looking to find completeness and wholeness in a person, you're going to be sorely mistaken and completely disappointed because that person won't fulfill your needs. You won't be complete. In fact, you might find you're more empty because you're looking for that person to be your completeness. They're looking for you to be their completeness. And six months in, a year in, because you're not meeting each other's needs, you're at each other's throats because Jesus has to be the completeness of your life. And then when he's your completeness, you can give that to your spouse. But when you're looking for your spouse to complete you, guess what? They've got nothing to give you. Jesus wants to fill that void, and you're complete in him. If you're, if you're thinking, well, I'll find completeness in, in finishing my education. Man, when I get my degree, then I'm going to be complete because then I can do what I want to do. And you find that, that that's empty. Man, when I, when I get that job, when I, when I land that job that I've always wanted, or, or maybe it's the promotion within the job, or when I make this much money, when I can buy that car. Man, if I could just own my own home, if I could just remodel my home. Man, I can't wait till I retire. Boy, that's going to be awesome when I don't have to get up at the crack of dawn every day and, and I can re just do what I want. And you look at all of those things, all of those things that maybe you are, are reaching for that you don't have. Now go find somebody that has it. 
and ask him if it made him happy. Go, go find somebody that, that got married. Did it make them happy? Well, apparently not because six out of ten of them are getting divorced. And how many of those four out of ten are living miserably in their marriages? So it didn't make them happy. Did getting the education make people happy? No, because now they found, well, man, undergraduate studies aren't enough. Now I got to go get my master's to really get the job I want. Or, gosh, everybody and their brother has a Bachelor of Arts that doesn't do anything. doesn't get me a job. Or now I got to pay off my student loans and I couldn't find a job. And I'm working at McDonald's trying to pay off my student loans. Or how about the people that have the job? Did that make them happy? Did, that, did they find completeness in that? No, they're running around crazy. They're hitting the snooze button every morning because they don't want to go to work. Buying the car make the person happy? No, I mean, it, the new car smell wears off and, and now you want the next one. The new, the, you know, you've had your car for six months and now the new model comes out. And it came with a DVD built into the dash. How come mine didn't come with that? The new house, a house, does buying a house make people happy? No, now you got to fix it and paint and pay money and the pipes freeze and maintenance. Did remodeling the house make you happy? No, because now you got this equity line and gosh, you got demoted at work and you can't pay the equity line and you guys know what I'm talking about. None of those things make us happy at all. We don't find completeness in any of those things. And you guys, there's nothing wrong with, with any of that stuff. But if you're trying to find completeness and wholeness in it, and, and let's just be real honest here. We're all doing that. We're all trying to find that pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. And if it isn't Jesus, if our pursuit isn't Jesus, you guys, it is empty. It is meaningless. And so you have to start from this premise that I'm complete in him. That he's the only thing I need. That he is enough. And when you start from that premise, then you go to get your education. And you find a spouse. And you buy a car and, and you buy a house and you get a job. And, and in the midst of all of those things, you're not trying to find happiness. You're just serving the Lord. You're just living for Jesus. And when the car gets old, when the spouse gets old, when the house gets old, when the job gets old, you still have Jesus. And you can love your spouse. And you can be content with your house. And, and you can thrive in your job because it's for the Lord. And I'm serving Jesus. See, but when you get it backwards and you have Jesus on the periphery of your life and you're trying to find wholeness in those other things, it is complete disaster. And that's why people are shooting up drugs and having sex with everybody that walks. And that's why people are trying to find happiness and money. That's why. Because they, they thought it would come through some of this other stuff and, and life let me down and I'm bummed out and I'm depressed. And so, man i got to find something that's going to make me happy. And in fact, it destroys me. Jesus is the only thing that matters. Do you believe that? And so that, that catastrophe that you're dealing with right now kind of puts it in perspective. That trial you're going through, it helps you to see this too will pass. Jesus is the only thing that matters. Jesus is the only representation of God. And Jesus is the only thing we need. Do you believe that? That Jesus is the only thing you need. That Jesus is enough. If, if you're automatically shaking your head and, and, and saying, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You need to slow down and you need to think about your life. And you need to say, does my life answer that question in the affirmative? Is Jesus the only thing I need? If it's true, it'll be real obvious in how I respond to things. In my priorities. 
It'll be real obvious in how I spend my money. It'll be real obvious in my decision-making. Be real obvious by what I talk about. As the pastor of this church, because I got to say, we all need to work on this. All of us. Because you know what? I, I don't stand up here having said, you know what? Jesus is the only thing that matters to me. You know what? On a daily basis, that isn't true for me a lot. A lot of times, the thing that matters to me is, is growing a successful church, having lots of people, having a nice building, achieving goals. That's what matters to me. Jesus is the only thing I need. Sure, I can say that. Sounds very pastoral. But like you, I try to fill that void with a lot of other things. And so let's not walk out of here going, yep, Jesus is the only thing we need. And go back living the way you're living. That isn't the point. The point is, is to reevaluate, not to quote platitudes and to give Sunday school answers. We all know, we all know that Jesus is the only thing we need. Most of us probably know that. But the thing is, is that we need to start acting like it. We need to start living our life in such a way that people can see that. That, yep, Jesus is the only thing she needs. Jesus is the only thing that matters to him. When we do that, it'll change everything. Let's make him preeminent, you guys. Let's make him the very focus of our life. Jesus and him alone. That's what Paul wanted for the Colossian believers. That's what Paul wants for us. I'm going to invite the, the Johnson family to come back and to share a closing song with us. As I said, they, uh, they have CDs out there available and encourage you guys just to, to support them. Why don't we stand together and close in prayer. Jesus, we come before you this morning. Lord, in absolute confession of our sin. Lord, your word tells us that if we confess our sin, you're faithful and you're just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And Jesus, I know for me, Lord, that you're not the only thing that matters so often to me. And I ask your forgiveness for that. Lord, and I know collectively and corporately, we're, we're all asking for your forgiveness. Jesus, I know that so often I'm looking for God. I'm looking for the, a relationship with God outside of you, Jesus. Outside of spending time with you. Outside of, of opening your word and having you speak to my heart. Jesus, I'm looking for God in, in all the wrong places. You're the only representation of God. And Jesus, may we, may we find the fullness of God by spending time with you. Jesus, you're the only thing we need. And Jesus, I confess to you that I so often live my life in such a way that I don't truly believe this, that you're the only thing I need. Jesus, so often I'm, I'm trying to, to fill my life with, with activity, with meetings, with goals. And Jesus, you're what I need. And again, Lord, we, we, we are all in agreement with that. Jesus, we confess that we've placed you on the outside of our life. And you're desperately, longingly wanting to come in. You're knocking at the door of our heart, wanting to come in and to sup with us, fellowship with us. Jesus, may we not leave here without evaluating, having you search our hearts. And Lord, maybe there are some here that have never made you the Lord of their life. And right now, Jesus, I pray that if, if they want you to be their Savior and their Lord, that they would ask you to come in that, Jesus, they would ask you to forgive them and to cleanse them and to be the Lord of their life. And, Jesus, I know many of us here do know you. Many of us have walked with you for, for years. We know the songs. We know the, the verses. We know what to say. And yet, Jesus, 
our life doesn't demonstrate it. And Lord, I pray that today we would make you preeminent. That today we would make you the focus. That today, Jesus, we could answer that question. Is Jesus enough? That Lord, we could answer that with a yes. Not just because we know that's the right answer, but because it's true in our own lives. That you are enough. That you are all that matters. And you are all that we need. Jesus, bless each one here. Lord, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Come and consume our life. Take us, God. Do with us as you please. Lord, thank you for the moms here today. Bless them. Lord, strengthen them for the the task that you've given to them. God, encourage them. Lord, show them how important they are and, and what an impact they're making. May they do it through the power of your spirit, Lord, not in their own strength. Lord, thank you for for the Johnson family, Lord, and their ministry. Bless them. Continue to provide for them. Lord, use them mightily as they travel. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to Pastor Ryan Couch of Calvary Chapel, Crook County. For more information, you can write to us at P.O. Box 378, Prineville, Oregon, 97754. Thanks for listening, and God bless.